Hey everyone, welcome to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. I am Morgan and I really appreciate you listening. First of all, I'm just going to do a couple quick admin stuff before we get to our guest for today. Um, by the way, it's going to be a real hot podcast. Ah, I zinged it because it's funny. You'll find out in a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, first of all, if you have any questions or anything about preparedness or anything, you can always come reach out to me. Um, I'm on all sorts of social media, YouTube, my website, just search Rogue Preparedness anywhere and I'll just pop right up. And uh, if you really like this podcast or uh, any of my other content and feel like uh, supporting me, I'm on Patreon. You just go to patreon.com slash Rogue Preparedness. And uh, I've got a lot of cool stuff on there. So today's guest, I'm really excited to have him on because this is a topic that I think everybody just loves to talk about. I mean, why not? It's fire. We're talking about fire today with Justin from Fiberlight. Hi, Justin. How's it going? Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on. I'm really excited. Excited to talk about this. Um, I'm really, I, I looked at all your products and, and, you know, learned a little bit about you and everything and I'm very excited. So, you know, the outdoors, uh, people in general preparedness campers whatever we just love fire 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 we're all pyros (laughs) it's important it's so important it it is and you know i think that there's um there could be definitely times when we when fire maybe isn't the best option but fire is security it's warmth it's um you know cooking food boiling water i mean just it's just Thank you for whoever invented fire. <laughs> um, so first, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Fiberlight and all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. I was born in Southern California. Um, I started my first business when I was 15 years old in high school with my best friend. Um, and we were actually, surprisingly, uh, pretty uh, pretty successful um, we just two dumb kids just screwing around, not really knowing what we were doing, but we just super passionate about what we were doing. And then I joined the Marine Corps. And so that, and my best friend, he went off to college. So that essentially shut the business down. But, but starting a business at such a young age, it, uh, it really planted a seed that I can't, I can't, I can't stop it now. So like, even while I was in the Marine Corps, although I was very dedicated and very busy and not didn't have a whole lot of time to um, think about business and things like that, but I I um, would find myself pondering about like you know what I'm going to do when I get out of the Marine Corps and how I'm going to um, you know what direction I'm going to take my life. And I, I always knew I was going to continue to own businesses. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I I would just basically start businesses, build them up, sell them. Sometimes I would go into work as a corporate in, into corporate America just to kind of keep me uh, busy and 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 keep some income coming in, so I didn't spend the money that I just made on my business, so that I could then concentrate on uh, starting a new business. And then I start a new business, build it up, sell it, and that's basically what I've been doing. And um, you know, the reason why I sell them is not because that's my desire strategy or like, it's never that idea when I start the business that, Oh, I'm going to start this, build it up and sell it. Um, I technically like to be honest about it is I, I get tired of it or like I, I fall out of love of that thing 
And, uh, but with fiber light, it's been totally different. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily see this going the same exact way that it did with the other businesses. But, um, so anyway, I moved, uh, sold my last business down to Southern California, moved up to Oregon and we found a small little town here that we call home. And, uh, I just stumbled upon this fiber that was being thrown away from a local wood mill. And I, again, I just couldn't turn my, my brain off my entrepreneurial side, you know, and I'm like, they're just throwing this wood fiber away. There's got to be something we could use it for. And then I basically got a hold of some and I started playing with it and uh, turned it into a pretty awesome fire starter. That is wonderful. I love that. Um, what type of um, fiber is it? It's just like a, it's just some leftover wood shavings kind of thing or? Well, no, this mill, this particular wood mill, they, they make the product that they specifically make is made out of this wood fiber. The wood fiber is, um, the wood fiber from the mill. I don't use the wood fiber from the mill anymore. That's just how it all got started. Mm-hmm. that was like pine and juniper and and probably a couple other um types of trees that would change depending on just i don't think it was important to them so um so I, it, it was just like local stuff and they break down wood chips down into this wood fiber and then they they make different products that they make um but with all this fiber everywhere, the machines, you know, they, it's not like they keep it completely airtight or whatever. So the fiber like goes everywhere oh. in the mill. And that's really dangerous because it's, you know, when it becomes airborne, it's essentially like highly combustible, just the fiber all by itself. And so there's this constant cleaning effort happening inside the mill. And so any, any fiber that hits the floor is trash. So, um, and they just produce so much fiber that, um, it looks like a lot of waste. It's not a lot of waste to them because they're like uh, the percentage of stuff that they throw away versus how much they make is so little, but I mean, it's a lot of fiber, you know, um, for like what we need it for. So anyway, yeah. Um, it's, it's a finely ground wood fiber. So it's a very specifically processed wood fiber, which is, which is like very important as to how fiber light works. Some people will look at fiber light and, oh, it's just sawdust, um, which is not even the case at all. Because, like, sawdust, <clears throat> you'd be hard-pressed to get sawdust to light with a ferroserum rod on the first mm-hmm. strike. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you're proficient with a ferroserum rod and you have a really good ferroserum rod, I mean, you know what you're doing, uh, you could get sawdust started with a ferroserum rod. But... It's uh, it's very different from the fiber light lighting with a ferro rod. I mean, it's like I've got seven year old kids lighting fiber light with one strike of a ferro rod. So, um, it uh, the way the fiber is made, the way it is processed, um, it turns basically wood into cotton, is essentially what it is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, so this is, how would you then compare this to other, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, by what you just said, you know, by similar stuff, you know, I mean, so this is a, a fiber, it's the finely ground wood, as opposed to people just making, taking like wood shavings and things like that, and yeah. putting, you know, mixing it with wax and things like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, if you were to put them side by side, it would be completely different, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, um, burn times would be similar. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I went through this, I, there's been a, you know, behind the scenes, there's been a, um, a rather drastic change in, in fiber light. And, uh, on the on the public side, you see the same product. But on our side, it's been a drastic change. Because um, I didn't want to use the wood mill waste. Um, I would love to use wood mill w- waste, but I, I essentially couldn't. Um, so I had to either figure out how to make the fiber myself or find another company that could make us specifically make fiber for us. And so mm-hmm. like that has been a trans a transformation. And um, uh, several times I, I tried to make fiber and I ended up making sawdust, just different variations of sawdust, like finely, co- finely ground sawdust to more coarse sawdust. Um, once that you get them lit, like if you lit that with a lighter, it would light, you know, pretty easily. And then you lit fiber light with a ferro rod, the burn times and everything were very, very similar. It's just fiber light would have the, the ease of light, you know, being able to lit, be right. lit. The other thing that's cool about the fiber is because it's so lightweight. Well, there's a lot of cool reasons about it being so, are th- cool things about it being so lightweight and how that's beneficial in a lot of different ways. But one that's really important is because it's so lightweight, it, it actually, it cannot break the surface tension of the water. So, um, even if you dunk it underneath the water, like, well, it won't dunk itself under the water because it's not Mm -hmm. heavy enough to break the surface tension. And then the fibers like create this barrier around fiber like that, um, I really don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how, how it all works, but I mean, you dunk it underwater and it, it just doesn't get wet. Um, Interesting. But, but if you dunk like sawdust underwater, it's going to get wet. And, and if you, if the sawdust is heavy enough, like big enough chunks of sawdust or wood shavings, like they're not necessarily always going to float on top of the water. Well, fiber light will always float on top of the water. And so, um, it just so you, it adds so many other uh, properties to fiberlight. You know, it's it's extremely water resistant. I could pour water all over it and light it on fire with one strike off a ferrocerium rod. I could wow. put this stuff in a bucket of water, and it'll just float on top of the water forever. Like it, it will <laughs> unless I make it get wet. It will not get wet. How I mean, how would you even make it get wet? From what I'm well, hearing, like if, you're, <laughs> if you're if you're, cause we have, we do shows all across the country and mm-hmm. there it's funny. The people that don't, that don't ever plan on buying the product as they're standing in front of our booth are the ones that want to test it to the nth degree. Right. <laughs> it's like, why are you forcing me to like waste all my products showing you all these cool things that Fiberlight does when you don't even plan on buying any, but, um, they will oftentimes like get to the point where like, well, does it light when it gets wet? Or they'll be like, you know, I, I bet it doesn't light when it gets wet. And I'm like, well, let me get it wet. 
and I'll show them that and, and I'll show them even more of a water test and a more of a water test. And then I, I just prove it to them every time. And then finally they get to the point where like, well, what just happens if you shove it under the water and you squeeze it and you just mash it down under the water? And, um, and I'm like, well, then you'll get it sopping wet. Like, well, I don't know what you expect to happen when that happens, but, um, I'm that, not you know, sure. there's a point, there's a point that which you can get it so wet that it won't light. Right. But but that's never uh, accidentally going to happen. You right. know, like there's no situation in which it would get that wet by it falling in the water or, or whatever. So, right. You know. I mean, we, we kind of have to think a little realistically about yeah. what we're using this for. I mean, yeah, you know, you're making a fire like in the rain and starting to rain or something. Right. Of course, you're going to try to get a little bit of, you know, something to try to protect the fire. Right. You know, something like that. Right. So you're already taking precautions against, you know, right. putting yeah, your fire tender, out. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to keep it safe. But I mean, if your bag dropped in the river and when you were yeah. crossing or whatever, like your tender is going to be just fine. You know, right, right. Um, if it's raining and we're in the Pacific Northwest, so rain <laughs> is what we do. Right. Um, there's never a time where it's raining too hard that fiber light won't work, you know, That's and awesome. it snows like crazy. And so it's same thing, you know, so, um, you know, the one thing I am big on and we can we can talk about this more like whatever you want to do, but mm-hmm. I'm um, I talk about fire a lot. Right. And mm-hmm. uh I, I just want to make it clear that like I'm not um I'm not the the guy that wants to tell you how all the other fire starters on the market are not good <laughs> and how and why they're not good and why you should buy my product. That's like the last thing I ever do. Um I I more so am focused on or have a desire to want to share information about um like knowledge in regards to fire starting and you know, I, I don't care what Firestarter anybody uses. My biggest thing is like, um, go out and use it, like practice with it and like understand its capabilities and its, um, its parameters and like, you know, how wet can you get it and, you know, how windy can it be and how cold can it be? Um, you know, stuff like that. I, I am, I am not a big fan of homemade Firestarters. But I, I, I say that with a with a caveat that like if you truly you know are serious about making homemade fire starters, that's awesome. But be serious about testing them out and understanding how they work and their parameters as well. Um, but it, but that's my main thing is like I don't I don't care what fire starter you use I just am a big advocate of making sure you understand how to use them. The amount of people that come to my booths when I'm doing trade shows, and uh, and they look at um, our ferro rods and they say, "Oh, that's awesome, flint and steel." Yeah, we use flint and steel all the time. My mm-hmm. son uses a flint and steel, and I'm like. Yeah, I don't want to, I'm not trying to make them feel bad or try to show them that I know more than they do, but, um, you know, it's not a flint and steel, you know, and I, and we do have a flint and steel there to show them, to educate them. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, some people are super adamant. They're like, no, I don't need your fire starter. I use a flint and steel works great every time. Right. I'm like, okay, but let's talk about that for a second. You know, like, uh, 
you so you use a rock and a, and a piece of metal to and and so do you use char cloth also uh you know and like just different things and so like there's a there's a whole there's a whole lot of like lack of knowledge i think we've gotten too used to this advanced super technical life that we live where like seriously at my house i, I have a remote control i push the power button <laughs> and the uh the pellet stove actually starts its own fire for me <laughs> yeah and it continues to feed the fire and it works great you know so um it's just interesting you know that fire is such it's like such an old it's been around forever like we all know fire we all know that we need fire but because we have a stove that we just like hit the high button or turn the dial to high and you get a fire that comes out of it um is so many people have gone away from really understanding how difficult it is to get a fire started if you don't have the right tools or the right knowledge, you know? And, and even if you have all the right stuff, sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I've had all the right um, tools and fire starters, and sometimes the wood is really wet or the conditions are really bad. And you struggle a little bit because, you know, you have all the right tools and the right fire starters and things, but you still struggle because you, you're dealing with different elements. You're dealing with different types of wood. You know, I mean, it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I mean, you can make a million different fires and every single one of those fires is going to be different than the last. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's so important to be constantly out there, you know, not just doing the same old thing. And, and what you were saying about the ferro rod is very interesting because I think people really misunderstand the, either a ferro rod or a um, flint and steel, they will create the spark, but the spark has to go onto something in mm. order to ignite it. The spark itself is not creating the fire. Right. Um and, and so those I, two sparks are drastically different that come off yes. of a flint and steel and a fair serum rod. Yeah. You know, you're talking about like thousands of degrees different, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I only have experience, you know, with a flint and steel and a, and a char cloth and, mm -hmm. and a, you know, my ability to put together a nice tinder bundle. Um, I'm super confident in lighting a fire that way. I could do it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds at the max, and I'll have a fire if ever in the perfect conditions. And, and, and I feel like I could easily do it in probably 15 or 20 seconds. But um, I don't, I, if I do not have char cloth, I am in trouble because that's the only way I've practiced. I do it on a very regular basis. At our trade shows, we basically demonstrate that yeah. um, all the time. So I'm super proficient in that situation. But uh, without char cloth, I, I don't know what I would, I would, yeah, I'd be in trouble, but, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And you see a lot of TV shows and like things, they're just like striking the rock against the rock, which you can, you can, you can strike the flint against flint and it'll create some sparks. It's not as good as flint against steel or something like that, but you know, you can create it, but they're just like, like throwing the sparks into the fire into like this wood or whatever without any tinder or anything and it just starts up and i'm like uh wait a minute what just yeah. happened here like it doesn't work that way you cannot light just a flat piece of wood or something with a with flint and steel or a ferro rod for that matter you know yeah. you have to have some sort of the so a fuel source you have yeah to luckily have. with you have a lot more option with the ferro serum rod because yeah, you're throwing so much like the sparks are so much yeah. hotter mm -hmm. you know and you process down a piece of wood 
and you you know get a nice feather stick and stuff you you should be fine to get it started it'll take a little bit of work and you're gonna need to know what yes. you're doing but um yeah i've done that and that like you said it does take work you have to make them really fine you know you have to make the yeah. really fine feathers things like that but that will work with the pharaoh you're right but uh a little bit more effort yeah yeah <laughs> but um so what would be would there ever be a bad time to make a fire like security purposes maybe or you know i mean like if we're thinking you know in a situation i don't know that you know you just you're just trying to be quick about it or you know what would be uh do you always have to make a bonfire you know like what are funny i've never i always think about starting fires i don't think about (laughs) not not starting them (laughs) it's Um, it's so yeah like i know in in the in the Marine Corps, we had this pretty, um, pretty amazing training that we did one night, and it was to help us understand how sound travels differently at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, we did all these tests, and like we could hear somebody lighting a cigarette from like I don't remember how far away it was, but it was a long distance, like unbelievably mm-hmm. long distance from them just striking their little lighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then once they lit the cigarette, you could actually see that floating little like cherry on the end of that cigarette. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was crazy, uh, how, how that, that all worked. It was, it was crazy. So, yeah. um, that's this little conversation and you bringing up security brings, brings me back to that moment. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously times you, you don't want to start a fire, you know, and the, when you ask that question instantly, what came to mind is like forest fire situation. Like um, people just doing, you know, a lot of people don't realize this 98% of all wildfires are made by humans. And that, that could be from like, you know, very drastic different situations, right? Like a chain that you're, that you're towing a boat and the chain is, you know, dragging on the highway and it makes a spark that then lights the side of the highway on fire. And that turns into, you know, that's obviously that's a caused by humans, but mm-hmm. um, very different situation from somebody just leaving their campfire on un, like unattended or leaving camp and not putting their campfire out and the wind coming up and taking one of the coals or embers mm-hmm. and starting a thing. So, I mean, very different situations, a lot of different scenarios in that 98% of all wildfires starting by humans, but you know, there is some dumb times that you think that you're going to go out into the woods and start a fire when number one, you didn't need it to begin with. It's in the middle of summertime and it's hot mm-hmm. or whatever. And number two, the place that which you made it was a very, was not very, you know, safe and it wasn't designed to be having a campfire there. And so you let the whole mountainside on fire. So that right. that's, that's my initial thought of like when you should not light a fire. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because, um, uh, because people do not put out their fires and they don't think that that's necessary. And I'll tell you, I was a, a, we were a camp host, um, at a park where we had, there were fire rings at every campsite and with the fire rings, people still thought it was okay to pack up and leave while a roaring fire was still going in there in their uh, fire pit and it it doesn't matter whether it's a fire pit or a a completely open fire you know i mean you could you should always make some sort of little you know pit or something rocks around something but even so 
any type of fire, anything can happen. And I cannot tell you how many times I saw people literally walk away or pack up and leave with a roaring fire still going in their pit. And you know, that's exactly why there are so many burn bans in so many places. That's why in, I think in California, you have to have like a permit here in the South, you know, there are burn bans everywhere because people just don't, they don't understand that, you know, fire needs to be put out and needs to be put out properly, not just, you know, throw some, um, water over it and be good. Um, I've seen fire going for, you know, hours and hours and hours, you know, without, attending it at all mm-hmm. um you know so fire can take a mind of its own and we definitely need to you know be aware of that for sure um and i you know i brought up you know not making fires because here in the south you know that's like all we we can't we can't make fires like anywhere and um you know even at parks you know there's only very certain times like in the the winter in December, January, maybe that you can have a fire in the fire pits even. And uh, otherwise we have burn bans. And, um, you know, so I'm so used to always having, you know, the propane butane, you know, uh, the stoves with us and stuff like that. And, um, so (laughs) that's interesting. Um, so do you, do you have any suggestions for making fires in, certain types of weather, like if it's raining really hard, what would you do? Or, you know, like if it's snowing, how, you know, how, how would you make uh, certain fires in certain weather conditions that would be a little more extreme than just, you know, nice sunny day or something? Yeah. You know, um, I unfortunately have become unbelievably spoiled by fiber light. <laughs> I don't, um, I, I do spend a lot of time around the prepper community. Have you? I don't know if you've ever been to PrepperCon. Uh, not yet. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a great community for us. And mm-hmm. um, we just, yeah, just we have a lot of fun with them. But um, so because of Hyperlight, like I have become spoiled. And the reality is that um, in almost every situation, I would like to fire the same. Like I wouldn't necessarily do much. Mm-hmm. In the event of me having to find um, to find wood as a, but still having fiber light as my tender source. Um, still, I mean, I would just break it down more, you know, um, to where it's, uh, I just have a lot of small, small pieces of wood Mm -hmm. so that then they could be like dried out by the fire quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, until I got that thing, you know, big, and then I could start getting confident and throwing bigger stuff on there. Right. But you just have to, you know, the whole idea is that you need to get that thing dried out. If you throw a, a whole log on there that's soaking wet, it, it surprises me how many people think that that's okay to do. You know, that like, right. there's a lot of people that will just stick a pinch of fiber light in their, like, you know, um, fireplace at home or whatever, mm-hmm. and just throw a round log on top of it right and then light the fiber light and then wonder why their fire didn't start you know why fiber light didn't light the log on fire yeah and um you know just things like that but breaking your wood down is is unbelievably important in so many situations so 
Yeah, one of the best uh, things that I ever heard was what you were saying of, you know, breaking it down, especially with really wet wood, you know, just mm-hmm. getting to the inside of that wood and mm-hmm. making it real, real small and, you know, just really breaking it down. And um, that was probably the best advice I ever heard. And, and you know, I've been doing that with all of our fires ever since I heard that. And it's just a game changer, you know, once you can really, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work, you know, it is, you know, sometimes, you know, with softwood, maybe not so much, but we have a lot of hardwood down here. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work with the hardwood and, um, you know, it's very tough to break through it sometimes, but you have to, and it's, you know, it's work. You got to do yep. it. <laughs> if yep. you want that fire, you got to do it. Um, what would you suggest would be like kind of some of your favorite tools for fire making, you know, um, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So, um, fiber light, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I, I love a ferrocerium rod. Um, they're just so dependable with matches and lighters. If it's too wet, too windy, too cold, they just don't work. And sometimes they will never work again. Mm-hmm. Um, with a ferro rod, it, you know, you get it wet. It, it like, it will always throw sparks. Um, so they're just super reliable, dependable. And if you have a good tinder that you could throw the sparks at, then you're, you know, pretty much going to be getting fire every time. I do, I have a lot to say about ferroserum rods. I like, I am, I, when I say the, the idea of you get what you pay for is like super important with ferroserum rods. Like, you know, um, like, I don't want you to go buy a cheap ferro rod, but, Go buy a cheap ferro rod and then buy like a nice ferro rod and, and an expensive ferro rod. And it is so drastically different. Um, I also think that it's important to understand the differences between a mish metal rod and a ferroserum rod. Um, the, we, I call all of our rods ferroserum rods, but they're technically mish metal rods. Um, but nobody really knows that term. So ferro rod, we just use that as a general term, but, uh, what I'm basically what I'm trying to say is don't buy a cheap ferroserum rod, and and if you do buy a magnesium rod, at least just understand the differences between a flint and steel, a magnesium rod, and a ferro rod, or mish metal rod. But um, don't buy any of those things cheap. Like, just, I feel the same way about my knives. You know, th- this is something a tool that you might actually. Hopefully not, but you might actually have to rely on like for mm-hmm. your life, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, don't, don't go cheap, you know, like with the moment, the time that you're going to need it when you're in most desperate need is the time you're going to be most confused, most fatigued, most in trouble. And you're just going to need the thing to work great. Right. Right. So don't, uh, don't buy cheap stuff. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree. I have bought um I bought all kinds of different ferro rods. I'm obsessed with ferro rods, kind of like you. It sounds like I love yeah. ferro rods. I really I'd much rather use a ferro rod over a lighter any day. I still carry a lighter, but I also carry a ferro rod. Right. And um, I just love. I, I I've used many 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 different kinds, and just like you were saying, they're not all alike at all Mm -hmm. and you know i've used the super cheap ones to super expensive ones and i will say Mm -hmm. the more expensive ones really are better um Mm -hmm. i hate to say it you know but it's true and um 
you know, and even from some more kind of reputable brands or whatever I had mm-hmm. to say, you know, some of them aren't even great either. I mean, it, it just really depends. I mean, you really have to really try them out. And um, yeah, so like we got samples from as many fair rod manufacturers as we could and that would send us samples. And then I tested the heck out of all of them. And I landed on one, which I think is the best ferrod manufacturer in the world. Mm-hmm. And those that's the company that makes all of our fair serum routes for us, um, the large ones and the small ones. Mm-hmm. And we're coming out with a uh, necklace as well soon. We, we, yes. The China, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus thing is really screwing a lot of stuff up. Yeah. Um, one thing that a lot of people don't know or don't realize is that there's uh, we're a very proud company of that our products are American made, but there is not a single. I just want to make sure everybody hears this. There is not a single uh, ferrod manufacturer in the world outside of China. So. 100% of all ferrous serum rods that you see uh, are manufactured in China. Even though they might not say that, I promise you that they are. They will then take, you know, get their ferro rods from their manufacturer and then bring them to their country and brand them and add handles to them and, you know, modify them. Maybe that's why they're able to say made in America or whatever, or made in other countries like Sweden, um, but uh, but the rod itself is not. Uh, there's nobody that makes it outside. If there was an American manufacturer of ferrocerium, I would absolutely pay the money to have that as our supplier for ferrocerium rods. But it's just not a thing. So um, interesting. I did not know that. The other very interesting thing is there's about five to ten probably leaning more close to five um, ferro rod manufacturers that are the best hmm. of those five, all of the major ferro rod companies that sell fair serum rods, light my fire, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fiber light, um, all of the others, they all get them from the same manufacturers between those five manufacturers. Hmm. Well, Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Like, like Uber Linden, um, the German company, uh, they have the same exact ferro rods that we do, you know, oh. um, and vice versa. And um, that's the same same with a lot of them. But anyway, that's all just interesting information. Yeah, um, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, a big fat, you know, half inch diameter, thick, you know, long ferro serum rod, you should pay somewhere between 20 and $30 for that ferris jam rod. And and that'll last you a lifetime. You'll never have yeah. to replace it. Um, it will work for you every time. It will throw, you know, and one test that I like to see, I'm a tall guy, I'm six foot four, but I like to be able to, um, I have my ferris jam rod and I use um, the spine of my knife. Um, mm-hmm. That knife changes. I have tons of knives. So, mm-hmm. uh, but spine of my knife to strike with, and um, as I stand there, if I could strike it and the sparks land on the floor and dance on the floor for a little bit from me standing up, that's a good ferro serum rod. 
Oh, that's, that's a cool test. Yeah, that's my that's my test for a ferro rod. And all of our ferro rods do that. Nice. I'm going to have to try that. I've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. Um, so what, what would you suggest when people are making kind of like their own fire kits and things? Like yeah. uh, what would you suggest that kind of everybody has in their fire kits? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I am, I am not a, uh, well, I, I, I was trying to say, I I am a fan of the idea of having a chemical based fire starter. Um, fiber light is a natural fire starter. So there's no chemical accelerants in there that makes it flammable or that makes it super hot or that makes it burn for a long time. Well, I guess the, the burn for a long time thing, there is paraffin wax in there to extend the burn time. So disregard that statement, but there's nothing in there that makes it flammable. The fiber all by itself is super flammable and it, mm-hmm. and it's, so we call it a natural fire starter. Um, <clears throat> but there are some other fire starter products out there that are chemical based. Like there's accelerants in there to make it burn super hot. So I, um, I am a big fan of having like a natural fire starter, something more like, you know, tinder quicks or, um, you know, fiber light or like, uh, cotton balls with Vaseline or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, and that would be the thing that you use, like in most situations, yeah. you know, like normal situations. And then you have the, like, the extreme version, right? The, the, the wet fire or something like that to where mm. it's, you know, all chemicals and it's going to burn super hot and it's going to burn, have a nice long burn time. But mm-hmm. the only thing that is that you have to do is make sure you understand that those types of fire starters have shelf lives and that they need to be replaced. So don't just like set it and forget it because 10 years down the road and you want to use something like that or you need to use something like that, it's probably not going to work for you. Um, That's really but- interesting that you say that because I've actually <laughs> experienced that. I was trying to make a fire once with a, I think I wasn't even that old, maybe a couple of years or something. And it, um, it wasn't working at all. It was a commercially made fire starter. I can't even yeah. remember what it was now, but yeah, it, it just straight up wouldn't work at all. It wouldn't hold a flame. It wouldn't light very well, even with a lighter, it wasn't lighting well. I mean, yeah. So, um, many commercial fire starters do have a shelf yeah. life. Most, ex- I think all except tender quicks that mm-hmm. you're going to find at the big box retail stores, they're all going to be, um, chemical based. They're all going to have a shelf life. And most of them, you actually have to search for the like the shelf. It's not just on there, you know, five-year shelf life. You usually have to contact the company for them to give you an idea of a shelf life. Mm. Um, and so just be aware of it. Like if you open it up and you smell it and you smell a little bit of um, just any sort of chemicals, like lighter fluid smell or something like that, just know that that does have a shelf life and it will mm. not work. And so that's why I also would like to have in my kit a natural fire starter like fiber light does not have a shelf life that'll never expire i'm more of a fan of something like fiber light for i mean obviously I, that's what i do but <laughs> but take that away from it i mean like i'm i i don't want to just sit here and convince people to buy my product because that's not what it's all about but like um a lot of people do use and similar in in some ways as fiber light but like a homemade option which is cotton balls and vaseline mm-hmm. You just have to like practice with it. It, it can be really great, um, but but you need to understand how much Vaseline to put in there. 
Um, mm-hmm. You need to understand how the Vaseline reacts when it's 105 degrees outside in the middle of summertime and what it's like to use that product in the summertime and then vice versa, like what it's like to use that product in the freezing cold wintertime. Because mm-hmm. um, in the summertime, you're going to make a mess. And if you put too much Vaseline in there, the Vaseline is going to get really hot and it's going to like fully saturate the cotton ball. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you kind of need or that makes that makes it easier to use cotton ball and Vaseline is you need the dry cotton fibers to catch that spark. They catch the spark mm-hmm. very easily. But when the f- cotton fibers become fully saturated with this, you know, gunky Vaseline and you used way too much Vaseline, y- you might have a harder time getting that that thing started. So like Mm -hmm. if you use those things or if you decide that you want to start using Vaseline cotton balls, like practice with a lot, you know, understand how much stuff to put on there and how it works in different conditions and how messy it is to use. And like if you're okay with all that stuff and you've mastered all that stuff, then use the heck out of it, you know, like Mm -hmm. by all means, let that be your number one choice for a fire starter. But if you don't want to worry about all that stuff, then buy like a commercially made product like Fiberlite, where it's all of that stuff is already determined for you. It's already ready to go. There's no mess. There's no like, you know, figuring things out. It's already packaged. It's super easy to use. Um, But, you know, so there's the two different types of fire starters where you have a chemical based one that's, you know, and what that's good for. The reason why, I don't know if I explained that, but the reason why I would want that is for those really bad situations, right? Where it's super, 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 super wet or super, super, super cold. Or like the situation where you're in trouble, right? You're like mm-hmm. hypothermic and you're you're um, freezing to death. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you need a fire now, but you're, all your stuff is wet and everything is compromised. Like that's when you would use the high-powered fire starter so that like... It could burn so hot that it dries out your wood faster so that, you know, you just get along faster. But hopefully it's not expired, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Definitely uh, inventory that uh, fire kit, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So in addition to those, of course, a ferro rod with it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, Got uh, too concentrated (laughs) on the two things. Yeah, so a ferro rod... um, I prefer to use my um, spine of my knife as a striker, but all my ferro rods will also have a striker with them um, mm-hmm. so that if I, for some reason I lost my knife or I don't have a knife, then I'll still be able to strike the ferro serum rod because it's quite useless if you can't strike it. Right. Um, and then, you know, matches, lighters. I'm a big fan of the Yuko stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, I like a pocket bellow. Um, so that you can assist your, your fire and use a bellow to, uh, to, you know, help get the fire going, um, a Fresnel lens. Um, that's another interesting one that I think if you're going to use a Fresnel lens, like learn how to use it. You're not like, don't expect a Fresnel lens to just combust flames into like everything. (laughs) Usually what you're looking for with a Fresnel lens is just to get it. Uh, an an ember mm-hmm. and then you take that ember into a tinder bundle and then you blow that into a flame um which i think is a big misconception when people think about a fresnel lens that was a huge uh, misconception with me when i first i was testing one on camera once and i was like 
you know, it's not it's not lighting this, you know, and I was like all upset because everyone always tells you, oh, just light, just light everything, light anything. And I'm like, OK, well, it's not lighting whatever I'm pointing at. Right. And um, then they were like I was testing it on a paper towel, I think. And they were like, mm-hmm. um, draw a black little dot on it and it and it uh, lit with the black dot. Mm-hmm. One of the the most successful things that I've ever used with the with the Frenzola uh, or with um, any sort of solar lighting type of object has been with char cloth or some yeah. sort of black yeah, something. Absolutely, wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. And fiber light will um, you'll get a solid ember with the Fresnel lens yes. out of fiber light. Cool. Um, so, but then, you know, there's, it's obviously not going to work if the sun's not out and stuff like that, mm-hmm, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's there and it's interesting and it's fun to use and it, you know, could save your life if, if you were there. I think that's pretty much it. A lot of reusable stuff, like as far as, uh, actually, uh, igniting the fire, like the ferro rod and the Fresnel lens and, and things like that, you know, reusable stuff like matches, they can, they can go away, you know, you use yeah. them, they're gone. Uh, a lighter same thing and a lighter you will not be able to use in all circumstances right Uh, definitely still good to have but um yeah a lot of uh kind of reusable like the fiber light kits that we sell Mm -hmm. they don't have lighters or matches in them you Mm -hmm. know it's just got fiber light it's got a ferro rod it's got a striker we even have a um a new kit that has a um a little mora in there um mm-hmm, what's the nice. little more what's the tiny little more uh, the um yeah i know which one you're talking that little baby one right the yeah. little, uh dang it well anyway it comes with a little more in it but um yeah but those are the like we don't we don't sell kits that have other things in them but we do most of our kits are all oversized for that exact point is that um we understand that everybody wants to kind of personalize their little kit. And so there's extra room in there for you to put additional stuff that you want in the, in the kit. Um, our leather pouch is oversized for that reason. And the P and W pouch, um, like the fire, uh, the fire roll Mm -hmm. is, uh, is oversized for that reason as well. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I was actually looking at these right now. And of course your, uh, Tinder comes in tins. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can reuse the tins, which is great. I always love reusable stuff like that. And of course, yeah. with the leather pouches, ugh, that's awesome. Yeah. You can yeah. use that over and over for your fire, your uh, fire kit needs or anything else. That's fantastic. I yeah, it's it. really um, purposeful when I was designing that packaging. Um, I wanted the tins to be able to, you know, you could use them for other things. You could use them to make char cloth. You could use them as little kits and things. Um <clears throat> The uh, ranger band that comes on the kits is for a very specific reason. The ranger band is used to completely waterproof the the can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a fire starting tool as well, you know, because mm-hmm. you could light that ranger band on fire and it's going to burn pretty hot and it's going to burn for a long time. Nice. Um, and you could also use a ranger band to like help lash things to your bag or, you know, mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. keep things together. Um, so, I mean, it's just multi-use, multi-function stuff um so yeah that was the purpose of all that that's awesome yeah i love it um 
Yeah. So do you have any other tips about uh, fire making or anything else you'd like to add about your products or anything else? Do you have any upcoming shows you're going to be at or anything? Yeah, we have. Um, uh, we usually do one show a month somewhere in mm-hmm. the country. That was all last year. That was kind of our objective all last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, so we did um, ISC, uh, International Sportsman's Expo in Sacramento in January but we're not we don't have any more shows until outdoor retailer in Colorado in June okay and that's mostly just because we have a a new product that uh, I can't tell you about unfortunately but um (sighs) it's in final stage of prototype and I should have my hands on the final prototype in a couple weeks and we'll do some testing with it and then we're debuting it at outdoor retailer we're also submitting for innovative product of the year award and all kinds of cool stuff like that so Nice. Um, it's a, it's a big deal and we're really excited about it. You guys will all know about it. Um, just because it's like, if you're in the outdoor industry, it'll just be something that everybody's talking about. Um, nice. and then, um, the, uh, what else, what else did you ask me in that? Like line of questions, Anything <laughs> else? like our products are awesome. Um, <laughs> You know, Go I'm buy a Marine their Corps veteran. Yeah, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. Everything is USA made uh, except mm-hmm. our actual ferro rod stock. Um, <clears throat> we just teamed up with Mora, um, which is really cool. We are selling. We got the Mora Garberg and the little Mora that I cannot think of the name to save my life right now. Um, but uh, those are two both excellent bushcrafting knives. Um, so those are those are there. But we we the also Eldris. Teamed, the Eldris, yes. <laughs> I had to look it up. It was bothering yeah. me. Go ahead. Yes, we also Eldris. teamed. We've teamed up. Been teamed up for a long time with Ready Man. Um, mm-hmm. They make our leather pouches for us, like specifically for us. Um, Jeff Kirkham, the owner of Ready Man, is just a really close friend of ours. Nice. Um, and so, and we, so in all the leather pouches, you get a Ready Man card because cool. the pouches are made by Ready Man. So, um, we've we've got a couple other collaborations and partnerships coming soon that I can't talk about that either. Um, but just keep an eye out for that; it'll be it'll be really exciting. So Fantastic. that's all that you could check us out on social media. Every, pretty much everything is Fiberlight Firestarters on like uh, Instagram and uh, and Facebook. Those are the only two that are are active. We do have a YouTube channel, but I don't do anything on there. Um, so anyway, yeah, mostly just I would say just follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, yeah, and then of course head to your website at fiberlightfs.com, right? Yep. And then my my last tip is very simple just practice and understand the tools that you're using. I don't care if they're fiber light products. I, I have, I do not care at all. Like buy whatever you like and then learn how to use it and don't buy a cheap fair serum rod. And, and definitely, I mean, at least understand the difference between a flint and steel, a magnesium rod and a fair serum rod. I'm not a fan of magnesium rods either. Um, and that's why we don't sell any magnesium rods, but, um, so just understand those differences and you get what you pay for. So buy a nice one and, uh, and then practice, practice, practice. So you understand how it all works in the, in the cold, in the wind, in the rain, in the snow, in the super hot summer, all that stuff. 
Absolutely. And I think those are the most important things. Like once you understand all of that stuff, you're going to, you're going to be able to start a fire, you know, in any type of situation. Definitely. Awesome. Well, fantastic. I had a really great time talking with you and everyone definitely go check out uh, Fiberlight, uh, their website and Facebook and Instagram and, and uh, everywhere. So um, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks. And uh, everyone, if you uh, want to talk more fire or ask more questions about fire starters or anything, definitely talk uh, contact Justin at FiberlightFS.com or social medias. And if you want to come chat with me, I'm at Rogue Preparedness everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, website, everywhere. Thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Come tomorrow by preparing today. I'll talk to you all later. Bye.